This is Podcast of the Dead, the podcast about all things horror-related. Your favorite podcast to listen to if you're a fucking goth freak weirdo. Uh, we're your host. I'm <laughs> Zach Palmer. Sitting across from me is Isaac Wright. The wet bag of cornflakes that I used as a pillow busted open last night, and now I sleep in cereal mush. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask what type of cereal? I said cornflakes. Yeah, Kellogg like, brand. Oh, okay, Gail. Yeah. Okay, you just said cornflakes. That yeah. <laughs> That's the name brand of the cereal. Anyway, uh, <laughs> joining us from the void is Chrissy Beetle and Steven. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> what a normal time to be alive. Isn't it just... <laughs> uh, well, uh, folks, it's been a while since we had an episode. So I'm going to take a drink to that. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's shit. going everywhere. It's going all over the place. That's fine. Oh, it's, good. We, <laughs> it came. Man, that really... That, that was just, the blind one. It's so, it's so foamy. Anyway. It came. Uh, we're now in video format, so now you can see this. Um, uh, and uh, we know it's been we're a while, sorry. but uh, we decided to uh, start doing this uh, regularly again because uh, we had fun doing it. So we just we just like doing this. Honestly, that's all it we boils do. down to, really. Uh, so uh, we're back. I have no one else to bother with this with my feelings <laughs> and thoughts on things. Yeah, yeah if we're There's not talking so about much horror film information, I can remember. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, this is just uh, weird information that sticks in my head um, for whatever reason. <laughs> you doing all right? Sounds like a thing. Yeah, that's that's oh, that's, that's beer. beer. That's, that's the beer. beer. Okay. Yeah, that's it, the beer. It got thumb. everywhere. <laughs> oh. Okay then. Well. Cheers to that. <laughs> mm. So how how has everybody been doing? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> your your reluctance speaks volumes. <laughs> you doing all right, Isaac? You you, no. you doing all right? <laughs> just, uh, just, just, I didn't think that's where this conversation was going. Drinks heavily. <laughs> uh, well, you know, um, life just keeps on ticking. You know. <laughs> Much. We committed manslaughter with Shrek. Yeah, we went to Shrek's adventure, wherein the uh, story is that you run over a witch, or donkey runs over a witch, and you're an accomplice to the uh, hit and run, uh, and then Shrek helps you escape. So it's fun for the whole family. Shrek helped us commit manslaughter. But that's a uh, fantastic. Is Where this, the fuck was, was that? Say, is this real? Uh, Shrek's adventure. It's like one of like the main like touristy bits in London. Yeah. The dungeons were great too. Stephen yeah, had the, the London dungeon. Yeah, mm. you, you and oh, the shit. jester had a very we, sexual we, atmosphere. We, we got on. We got on. There was chemistry there. You have competition, dude. <laughs> I know. Uh, we also went to uh, Madame Tussauds. Uh, long story short, I'm s- currently stuck in uh, the void 
as we affectionately call it at the moment, because uh, I uh, do not have a flight back, long story short, and I'm kind of stuck here with my fiance, which isn't too bad. I can't complain, really. Um, but that's why I mean, I'm here. Is, I'm... The, the alternative is Houston, so I think you can yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. the stick right so, now. So. Bexel or Houston? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bexel or Houston. I think I'd prefer Bexel. I've got, I hate Bexel. Yeah, I've got like former shipping, now heroin town, or just like Houston. Clear Channel, like evil Governor Hot Wheels. Like I don't know. Like <laughs> got, nice. got the evil shopping cart spreading COVID around. I don't know. Like which uh, would you pick? Let us know in the comments. <laughs> Where did Governor Hot Wheels come from? That's what I'm confused about. Because he's in a wheelchair. Oh. Which is sort of aimless, <laughs> but also... Uh, I, I, yeah, I kind of... It's, it's sort of ableist as fuck, but it's also coming from Steven, who <laughs> is basically blind. Uh, I, I don't Steven know how to feel about to, it. I, just, I, I didn't even disabled, remember he was... It's a, fine. It's, I didn't even Steven remember disabled, he was in a wheelchair at all. You can dunk on him. Matters are apolitical. It's fine. I don't care. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Okay, well, you know, uh, I mean, Greg Abbott, terrible governor. Yeah, he's awful. Well, yeah, look, look, anyone who makes life worse for the bulk of people on the planet deserve any ridicule they get, so, you know, for the most part. I guess so. I guess so. To a certain extent, we'll say, we'll say... Like Prospero, that, mm, that no good, Nick. <laughs> we talking about Ross Perot now? Is that what you said? Prospero, you know, from from the story oh, we're talking yeah, yeah. about. <laughs> we're trying to relate it back to thought, the material. I think it might just be the connection. I thought you were talking about Ross Perot. And I'm I like, also heard Ross Perot. And I was like, <laughs> what did he do now, st- that little fucker? <laughs> <laughs> and now you're ice shaving. you so a this tasty just... segue. <laughs> uh, Ross Perot. Well, okay, so let's just jump right into it then. Uh, I'm calling him Ross now. Let's, they were let's on a talk. break, honey. <laughs> <laughs> let's okay. So let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about a little short story here. In the sunny year of 1842, the master of macabre, Mister Edgar Allan Poe, wrote a fun little romp in a, into a dark and diseased world titled "Mask of the Red Death." It's a pretty short story, only a few pages long, but its series of intense images and expertly crafted wording make it worth reading over and over. You may be asking yourself, how are they going to do a whole hour on a couple of pages? Well, over the years, this short but intense story has been subject to much interpretation, whether warranted or not, and of course, we are no exception. Remember, we're the goblins who did almost two hours on how Silent Night, Deadly Night was about PTSD. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a really good episode. <laughs> it honestly is one of our better ones. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, there's there's and a lot. Silent to go night, into fucking deadly I mean, night. God, I, not to not to derail, but I'm like Tim Owens here, like longtime fan. Now I'm here. <laughs> ruining everything. <laughs> well, we don't think you're ruining at all. You're only adding, as far as we're concerned. Uh, so we, we we appreciate yes, you being Steve. here, Stephen. I have nowhere else to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, so sad. <laughs> uh, it is sad, but he's laughing about it, so it's fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm going to be honest. Uh, uh, the first time I read this story was for this episode. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> um, I have been sort of like a tangential Edgar Allan Poe fan for a while. Um, I always liked the gold bug a lot and, uh, of course, the raven. But that's about all that I really had read from him. Um, I didn't even – I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know he was American. I no. thought he was English. Mm-hmm. No, he's from Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, he's from – no, he's from uh, Bo- Boston. Hmm. He's from Boston. Isn't he from Boston? Mm-mm. I thought he's from Boston. Mm-mm. I think Boston, he was Boston. published in Baltimore, but he was Boston. originally born in Boston because he was adopted. They, they talk about going to see um, his house in The Wire. Where he lived, maybe, not where he was born. Oh, maybe not where he was born. No, he yeah, lived yeah, in Baltimore. That's, yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah, Okay, yeah. that's what I was yeah, yeah, trying yeah, to say. Yeah, Sorry. Because he was born in Boston. Okay, yeah. no, I just know that uh, he's famously, like, <laughs> was known for being a resident of Baltimore. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, he was to be famous. fair about, like, thinking, to be fair to the, like, misconception that he was British, I mean, America was still a very, very young country at the time, and especially it's, like, literary canon really hadn't divorced itself from the English one all that much. No wonder he was depressed. He lived in fucking Baltimore. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. I mean, you watch The Wire. (laughs) You know what it's like. It wasn't too different a hundred years ago. (laughs) I don't know what their murder rate was like, but I'm assuming it was high just like everywhere else in America at the time. Yeah, I I mean, it was proportional to the smaller population, perhaps, but it, you know. That was around the time they were still, like, expanding into the West, and just people just murdered each other for fun out there. Yeah, it was mostly racist genocide at (laughs) that point, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, that's a different kind of murder. (laughs) That's a different department. That's murder all fun, isn't it? Yeah. Christ. Uh, yeah, that's, um... Getting those Samhain references in. Yeah. <laughs> that one. Yeah. and gets the name wrong, but getting them in. I will say I'm not I'm not super educated in Edgar Allan Poe, really. Like, I've read some of his stuff over the time, too. But, yeah, no, I don't know too much about him other than, yeah, he was American. He was very big into laudanum and just... I think he was just a big substance abuser. And yeah. just, just had a very... Yeah, he loved oh, opium. Yeah, he loved him druggies. Yep. I think. Boy, did he love opium. Was it, to be fair, a lot of people. Wasn't did. a lot of like his darker writing. Didn't that stem from like the death of a family member or wife or something? That's what I, I, I remember hints of something his like that. I don't have died my wife around him. We're going to talk about it a little bit. His wife got sick, yeah. but she didn't die. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, she got. Honey, she, how, do, how did how did you get into Poe? Uh, my dad had. And has, and I get it when he dies. Come mm. on, night. No, that's mean. <laughs> uh, he has an original hard copy print from like the 1800s of a collected bunch of Poe's work. Nice. And oh, I think right. I read The Raven in it. Mm. And then yeah. I and then I read Mask of the Red Death. I just mm. read it cover to cover. Yeah, it's like a proper like first edition or something. It's. Nice. I don't know where it is at the moment. I know it's still in his house, and I might nick it. You continue to be the spookiest, spookiest bitch I know. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, what, twelve? Yeah. But at the time, I'd already been beaking, reading Barker and King. Yeah, yeah. So it's just yeah. another drop in the bucket. Yeah, um, yeah. I was already reading Barker and King. It was like, oh, what's this, Dad? Oh, that's Edgar Allan Poe, because we'd also watched loads of the old Poe adaptations. So. Mm-hmm. Right. I saw the uh, Simpsons Trios 4 episode where they've got, like, Bart and Homer doing, like, the takeoff of the Ravens. Yes. 
And I'm like, and I'm like, you know, like ten or something. I'm like, that's interesting. I'm like, what's that? And my dad told me, oh, it's a it's old writer Edgar Allan Poe. So I looked into him, and uh, I read like I read the Raven and some other stuff. I think like the Grubworm, it's called. Yeah. And then we did uh, Mask of the Red Death some years later in like junior high, and I was like, eh, that's cool, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I just, I just tangential to... familiarity with Poe. Um, yeah. I I just was never that like dark depressed of a kid I guess <laughs> I feel like no and I'm not trying to make a joke or not or, yeah. or anything I mean I feel like those yeah. were um, the people that I knew were like I'm so dark those were the people that were really 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 into Poe and I'm like this is cool yeah. no yeah I was about to say no don't disrespect Chrissy I'm just saying <laughs> don't out my seven year old ass reading fucking Clive <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I'll disparage myself by saying I watched Fight Club too many times and I thought I was the smartest motherfucker same? in the room. No, no, so. That was the first book I read. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, Hell yeah, homosexual undertones of masculinity, yeah. I took more of the fall of capitalism away from it and that was seeded very I mean, that early too, on. That's but... there too. Yeah, I, that was my favorite part. I of guess it. maybe like, maybe I repressed the homosexual stuff, and maybe that became a problem later. Who knows? Paul yes, I, I absolutely know that's the case with me. <laughs> yeah, lot of lot of repressed homosexuality. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's get into what the story is. Uh, so, a decadent monarch by the name of Prince Prospero. Uh, rules over a land beset by a terrible plague called the Red Death. This plague has terrible symptoms such as sharp pains, dizziness, and hermatidrosis, which is also known as blood sweat. Uh, well, that's rad. Blood dripping from every pore is Metal. what he says specifically. Um, oh, wait, hold on. As Nathan Explosion would say, brutal. <laughs> <laughs> brutal. Um, I can't get that low anymore. The victim with this plague dies within an hour or so of symptoms. Uh, to escape this deadly disease, the prince and a thousand nobles hold themselves up in the prince's abbey, which is then gated up and welded shut to prevent anybody with the plague from entering. In the abbey, the prince and nobles have a wealth of parties and festivities, culminating in a masquerade ball. The abbey has seven rooms that are all lit and colored differently. The room at the far end is black with red windows, creating an incredibly disturbing and disquieting effect, persuading the guests to stay away from that room. In this room is also a large ebony clock that chimes ominously and loudly on the hour. Every time it chimes, the party is put on pause as the party guests look around nervously and fearfully at each other. Finally, at midnight, the clock chimes so loudly and long that the guests finally look around and notice a figure that resembles a Red Death victim in their funeral shroud and bandaged up. Prince Prospero is deeply offended by this get-up and demands to know this person's identity. The figure begins moving through the rooms on its way to the black and red room at the end, while the prince follows behind. When they finally reach the black and red room, the prince draws a, da a dagger to attack the figure, but the figure suddenly turns around and the prince falls dead with a shriek. The partygoers, enraged by what happened, what appeared to be the figure killing the prince, tear the robes from the figure to reveal nothing underneath. They all then contact the red death and fall dead. The final line of the story is the most ominous and horrific. 
and darkness and decay and the Red Death held an illimitable dominion over all. And the cat just broke into the room. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! You were talking. You were talking about a plague a on society, dickhead. and he wanted to appear. <laughs> He's the Red Death. Look, he was the plague of this house. Yeah. He, he was the re- he is the Red Death in this situation. You have, you know, gated up the room. You've locked him out. And <laughs> got all your he friends is. here having a laugh, and there he is, the asshole. There he is. <laughs> Red is not the color I associate with this cat. It's More the color you a hundred percent shit color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's all shit. This is the stinkiest cat we've ever owned. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, the plot. Let's talk about the plot and the imagery a little bit because I think uh, obviously that is the most striking immediate feature of this thing. Um, a lot of I people like... talk about the colors. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Is yeah, the the colors are are a huge thing. I you know obviously the black and red that just looks like a, honestly it looks like an early two thousands era hot topic uh, is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, uh, it's, I was just say it's just hot topic, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's just like this is just where Prosper I'm, like they do talk it's about just the, Harley Quinn. <laughs> they do mention or they Poe makes great pains to say that the prince has like just awkward likings and just like absurd just like art and statues and it's like yeah they're right. basically having a party in like prospero's like big spencer's gifts mansion or castle <laughs> like, he's bam margera he kind of is yeah yeah i like to think that they serve exclusively lucky charms at this party so they can... <laughs> oh shit no it's skittles it's taste the rainbow i fucked up my own joke whatever go, yeah, go on <laughs> leave me behind i'll leave just die behind. here <laughs> <laughs> Maybe all the colors is maybe all the colors is just because he's having a pride party. I thought about that too. A very mean, inclusive king, prince. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Very inclusive, Prince Prospero. You know, having a I mean, pride party for all his gay ass friends. He locked a bunch. You of can't people tell me that they weren't banging each other. <laughs> That'd be more Greek than like English, though. Although their for ethnicity true. is nationality of the crown is kind of. Not really. It's vague. Them. They don't talk about it. And I mean, yeah, no, I kind of agree. If you lock a bunch of people up in one place, your intention is to bang each and every one of them. Yeah, I don't is. think you're selective at that yeah. point. Like you, that's you're definitely you're down that's to experiment. definitely an orgy hat. <laughs> They've all got you, masks on, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. You yeah, you really are just asking for a giant fuck party yeah. at that point. I mean, it's <laughs> that's. All I can think of it. No me. wonder the fucking Red Death got in. It's orgiastic one way or another. You know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, the um, I It's a weird thing. I kind of really liked, because I, I didn't say it in the, the synopsis, obviously, because I didn't want to get that detail. But there's mm. uh, a part about mm. they're not actually being lighting in the rooms themselves. They're actually these big, like, torch lantern sort of things hanging outside of the window and Mm. the window is like what gives the room the color yeah and it's casting like through the through the window itself because there's like a corridor in the middle where all the lights are he's uh poe was literally like how can i make this more weird and oblique uh well no i think no lights again no lights it's just a fuck party it is a fuck party yeah <laughs> well but the, the way he writes it is really nice i do like reading through that i was very surprised about how visually stunning that like you can instantly see what it is the way he writes about it and just 
I just had forgotten that he's that descriptive, and just it was mm. it was really good, and so and so it just makes you think that the the like the room at the end of the hall, the 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 black color room, that's like fucking scary as shit. Just like everything red tinted, mm, it looks yeah. like it looks like basically I would assume what it looks like in some of those uh, old style dark rooms where there's like a red lamp as opposed to just um just like one of the because every dark room I've been in is like orange. Yeah, safe lamps or whatever, but mm-hmm. like they have in the old mm-hmm. style ones, it's like a harsh red lighting, and so that's what I assume it looks like yeah. in there, and that's fucking creepy. So yeah, it uh, it like, I mean, there's also just a connotation of hell. Of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I have heard like um, like I read a few like essays and such, just you know because we were, I knew we were talking about this, and uh, some of them I already come across but uh i always remember like some people like in retrospect try to make a very big deal about these colors like some people say it's like oh it's it's, um like it's this it's the sequentialism of life like blue is birth and orange is such and such and you know obviously black is death but i don't know like given the way poe structures them and the way that there are other colors that intrude on any given room like you still have like the yellow of the flame or orange of the flame, and it's like, I think he's just trying to give you like this weird kaleidoscopic kind of mental picture. I don't think it's really anything too like didactic in that sense. I think it's just like just supposed to hit your mind, like again, like a kaleidoscope. Like it's just supposed to be psychedelic almost. Motherfuckers in the eighteen hundreds didn't have TVs; they had their imaginations. <laughs> yeah, and drugs. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I imaginations and drugs, which I... Poe was on a lot of. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think that it was, like, I instantly, as soon as you started describing the rooms, I saw it in Mm, my mind, like, really vividly. Like, the imagery is immediately, like, it fits, Mm, and it clicks with you. Like, and I I saw that black and red room, and I was like, man, I don't ever want to be there. (laughs) And I think that, um, I don't... And one of the reasons see, I would say... See, I'm the opposite. Yeah, I'm like, no, I was like, that sounds cool. What does the guard room look like that? I, yeah, I think, uh, we certainly should. The reason that I don't think that the really colors of the room have any meaning is that he just doesn't go into any of the behaviors of the guests in any of the rooms, and he doesn't go right, into right. who's mm-hmm. hanging out in what like, room or anything. He's just saying that the guests are basically fucking it up in everywhere except that one. They yeah. just fucking hate yeah, that one place. they're just scared of that room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, they don't, they don't, like, interconnect in any way. No. It's not like in, like, something like, say, The Great Gatsby, where, like, people wearing yellow are going to be very, like, debaucherous or... You know, he doesn't have the word count. Like, for yeah, this. there, there is no real connective <laughs> tissue. Yeah, mm, agreed. It's a yeah. It's, I, I think it's purely just because he thought colors cool. <laughs> you no, know, I think it's just. I think he just thought of a cool idea mm. that yeah. that looks rad and just and also can be explained away easily simply by. I mean, even if we're gonna take if this was just a real place. Just Prince Prospero's just a nutbag, and he just, I want to make a crazy party, y'all. And just, like, I'm going to have, like, you, here's the thing. So in his thousand or whatever people that he had to get to uh, Mm. sequester in his abbey or whatever, he had to make, be like, I'm making this masquerade at the end. We got to get a shit ton of glass blowers in here. (laughs) At least five or six glass blowers are going to be here so they can make my colored glass for this fuck party that we're having. Yeah. (laughs) And just, like, I don't know. Like, that's the... Yeah, no, that is the thing with Poe that you kind of, like, get from just going through his writing and just, like, what I know of him as a person, like, a lot of people compare him to uh, this guy named Edmund Burke, who was 
essentially considered like the father of conservatism and he always saw like because uh, we're gonna I, I'm pretty sure we're gonna get into like you know the romantic period of writing in, in America yes. later on yes but uh, like one of Poe's big things is this is is Burkean in the sense that he is very into the sublime which is the yes. like you know very operatic like sensationalism kind of like what we're talking yeah. about with the colors and just like right. putting you in this like state of like terror and surprise yeah um and it's in like this very brutal way throughout a lot of post work where it's like things that are beautiful and weak and say decadent like prospero or you know the the ruling class uh you know just <laughs> uh like it, those are destined to you know bleed out and die basically like yeah, and, yeah. you know Poe yeah, wolf, he... so Dario Argento could run. <laughs> I did have yeah. one. I did have one question before we go forward, and this was more about the interpretation of a part of the synopsis you did, and a part of the book or a part of the story. Mm-hmm. Does Prosper just kill himself when he realizes what he's done, like with the dagger? That was the impression I got. Is that when he, the, like, he runs up with the dagger, and then he sees that it's an actual person with like the plague, and he's like, "Oh fuck, I fucked up." Bye. And he just kills himself because he realizes that no, what, no, no, no. what he's done. He, he dies no. as soon as the figure turns around. That mm. was what that was part of the synopsis you may not have heard. No, 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 no. I heard what you said, but that's what I'm saying. I didn't think I thought that like he like I thought that he trying to kind of made a veil reference to just him killing himself. That's what I thought mm, it was. No, I, I don't think that's what it was because mm. the because right after the uh the cloak falls down like when they when the guests take the cloak away, they all get the red death and die. So it's like uh, it's mm. like there there is no discernible physical thing that mm. you can see happen to him. He just falls over. I thought it was just a literary mechanism. Think of it like Raiders of the Lost Ark when they open the thing and they all see it, but it's like his face and it's red. They're like, oh god, I'm all bloody. Now. But they do talk about that. It takes about thirty minutes or so to like contract it i mean and this has been a matter of only maybe 12 minutes or so so it just seems well we're not going to get too scientific he got, he into got, it he got mega red death. <laughs> yeah we're not going to get too scientific okay. into it but yeah yeah again this is a, this is, that's what i wanted to do this is not the episode i want to do the math please yeah but also the figure may have been there way longer than they realized like, yeah. like i'm saying they didn't even realize anyway i'm not going to okay, get into that you, that's gotcha. not what it's about that's, i thought it was cooler he if he killed himself he's like oh, i fucked up i escaped now yeah um I have never heard that though. It is an interesting way to take on it, though. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I guess. Yeah, that's a. See, see, Marx was right. The bourgeoisie will destroy themselves via their own contradiction. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about Poe a little bit. Um, now, this episode isn't supposed to be a history lesson on Edgar Allan Poe, uh, but we think it would be at least worthwhile to do an extremely mm. brief review on Poe and his works, as some of us haven't read anything past the Raven in several years. Uh, Poe, born just Edgar Poe in 1809, was a fantastic poet and storyteller from Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, he, he's probably he jo- he's probably really happy he got that surname because just Edgar Poe is not as cool as Edgar yeah Poe. yeah. <laughs> uh, he joined the army. Edgar Poe. He joined the army in 1827, and during that time, he wrote his first book of poems titled Tamerlane and Other Poems. Uh, this first work gained virtually no attention, but Poe continued working on his poetry throughout the rest of his military career and throughout his time studying at West Point afterwards. Uh, after dropping out of West Point via court-martial, 
uh, he intentionally got a court martial uh, by just neglecting his duties. Uh, for yeah, Sounds so good. yeah, so that's 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 how he got out. Of, <laughs> that's how he got out of West Point. Uh, Poe went off on his own to fully pursue a career in writing. He shifted towards short stories rather than poetry in this period, and after gaining notoriety from publishing works in newspapers all over New England, including Baltimore, uh, he really hit his stride. Uh, this is the period that he started experimenting with longer formats, such as his full-length novel, The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. Uh, he then became the <sighs> editor of a jaunty periodical called Burton's Gentleman's Magazine, uh, then later co-editor of oh, Graham's Magazine. Uh, Poe's experience reviewing and editing other people's writing helped him realize the full breadth of his talent, as after that, this he started writing his most famous works. In January of 1842, his wife, who was also unfortunately his first cousin, named Virginia, uh, came down with tuberculosis. This was no doubt one of his inspirations to write Mask of the Red Death. And, of course, three years later, after this story's publication, he wrote his most famous work, The Raven, a poem about a man distraught over a lost lover being harassed by a raven repeating nevermore. If you've never read The Raven, I don't know if, how you haven't if you haven't. Uh, unfortunately, Poe died only at the age of 40 from still debated causes. Nobody's actually sure how he died uh, because all of his death records were lost. Hmm. So nobody's sure how he died. Maybe he's not dead. Maybe it's like an Elvis Probably thing. Probably drugs there. Or, or, or illness. <laughs> he, or, he was too goth for us posers now to yeah. leave this mortal coil. Yeah, 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 yeah. He uh, he was reincarnated as uh, Robert Smith. A hot topic employee. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess that would work. Yeah. I would look that. I, I think I like Chrissy's idea better is that he's just. A random hot topic, topic employee somewhere in a dying mall somewhere in the southwest. It's like <laughs> life is. You want to you want to put your band's flyer up? You gotta buy something. He, he, um, you his... want the, you want this new Friday the Thirteenth pair of shoes that don't have anything to do with Friday the Thirteenth? Uh, Lies down and smokes over yeah, you. People like the fur backpack. Never more. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he he his spirit embodies every mall goth ever. Um, I think his spirit mm. embodies most just retail workers in general at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the new modern gothic. Yes, yeah. yeah. regular regular yeah. person is exactly. modern gothic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, interesting dude. Um, just all types of weird shit happening in his life. Uh, I I don't know. He's uh, just the the way that we don't know how he died is really interesting to me. Maybe we'll do like an episode or two on Poe, like himself in the future. Uh, but it's like a, didn't, it's just interesting. They find to see him him. Like, didn't they find him like stumbling around discordantly around the streets? Like, yeah, yes. and he was often yeah. drunk and like off his fucking nuts. Oh, so I guess no one right. thought anything. Ah, it's just Poe having a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he's just oh, he's just drunk. Yeah, he's just... Oh, having, he's just on his lovely opium. Yeah, he's just a, a drug-induced delirium, um, which is, you know, it happens to say the best he's of He's just vibing. <laughs> he's just Yeah, he's vibing. just vibing. This random question, and I know, I, I know we probably didn't do enough research into this, but you mentioned that, uh, like, that um, his, one of his contemporaries 
or uh, someone that he's associated with Burke was like a conservative or whatever. Like, do we like does anybody yeah. know anything about like Poe's like political leanings? Yeah, he he loathed Thomas Jefferson. Oh yeah, he had like a huge <laughs> hatred for him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he 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 was all about like he hated like what would be like called like the common yeoman at the time like the layman farmers and such like just yeah. fucking hated him i mean he hated like you know the wealthy traditionalism as well as you can kind of glean right. from our topic at, the, at hand but like yeah he was very very much simply put the like that feel too intelligent guy you know <laughs> like, okay, so I, yeah he just hated everybody he, he hated the rich and he hated the poor mm. just for being rich and poor he didn't really have a reason behind it he's yeah. just like fuck you guys <laughs> I mean... You're all dumb, and I'm smart. <laughs> he was a libertarian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just... I mean, you have to remember, too, like... Oh, go on. Oh, no, no, no. Go on. You were probably going to say something more important than me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> and, and I don't I mean, mean that sarcastically. I mean, I mean you honestly. To... You probably... No, no, no. I yeah, just yeah, spew but, bullshit I mean, all the time. <laughs> you have to remember, too, like, this was, like, um... America's big, like, revolutionary shift away was really, like, a shift away from, like, the crown of England to their own, like, sort of federalism. Like, you know, like, what Jefferson was very much into, that Jeffersonian kind of democracy. So it almost feels, like, kind of, like, awkward for us to kind of look back at, like, the conservatisms of, like, a Burke or, or you know, seemingly Poe and, and be like, well, he, he, you know, was for, like, it sounds like he was for, like, you know against like that's kind of traditionalism and such but it's like it's for it's to the ends of like a a still very reactionary kind of like um ideated past of a sort that he's always kind of getting at or that life is brutal right, and you know yeah. we need to yeah pull ourselves up by our you know horrified gothic bootstraps basically <laughs> Harshen up, Buttercup. This yeah, is yeah. how it is, you PC snowflake. Strap on your I Demania platforms, Snowflake. You know, don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> I no, said this way Demonia platforms are upstairs of... in the attic. <laughs> don't fucking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Like what I was gonna say is, I just—it's just surprising to hear a hatred of Thomas Jefferson. Like, just that just seems—I I know he's a Man, shitty dude. Fuck Thomas he's Jefferson, a, he's a that shitty dead dude. bitch. No, I mean from like someone <laughs> like from the like uh, the idealized American history standpoint. Mm. But yeah, no, I mean Thomas Jefferson does suck, but yeah. like he's still. Like the founder of like the Constitution and stuff like that. Yeah, so what? Fuck him. Fuck you know, no, but like from, from Poe's point of view, he gets to live in America, and yet he's still just like he's saying fuck you to like Thomas Jefferson. That's the freedom to live in America. It's just saying fuck you to but, Thomas but, Jefferson. I'm just, you have to remember, I'm just even, confused even, about the reasoning behind it. But, he, but even at the time, you had that. Remember, he's in Maryland. You had that very stark North and South divide of like production because the South is still very agrarian. The North is more yeah. industrialized. They yeah. like their central banking and bureaucracy. The South is like, no, I am a, a small common holder. I do not need this regulation and yada, yada, yada. So that's where that kind of slots in. Right. <clears throat> and so he just didn't like either. He, does, he, and he, he lives he, in well, society yeah. he just, and he does not want Yeah, to. yeah, yeah. And like, you know, 
That's what it's sounding like he more was, and he more. He was it's... probably also a minor misanthrope. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, I mean to some extent, but I, uh, but but yeah, I mean, Pine America didn't have that said, big. I'm going to become the Joker. Yeah. Uh, America didn't have that big industrial shift to where we were more industrial until like post like Reconstruction. So it was like you know like before that time we were, it was very agrarian yeah it's very just it's all yeoman farmers oh, really okay wait now yeah. now and now it's starting to click so if we take it back to like a UK standpoint he's like he sees himself as like the bard he's like I am the intellectual yeah. writer yeah yeah and, uh, I, yeah. I, and my, I am above the common <laughs> yeah that's, actually that's kind of that's kind of what I'm getting now yeah. that I'm now that I'm piecing it together in my brain again that feeling too sense. intelligent he's that guy yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay. exactly he's, he he would be a poster he would be like a, a, oh, a argument would, twitter guy oh he would definitely <laughs> be an argument twitter guy but he'd like use long sentences and everyone would just call him a bald nonce yeah <laughs> Can, can we pause and, and lament the universe that we live in when uh, Argument Twitter guy is actually like a legitimate like career at this point? It's not only well, it's not yeah. only a career; it's an archetype at this point. It's it's <laughs> it's 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 a person of the internet pantheon. You know, oh, it's uh, it's just that's just how they exist. They they exist. They exist. Po po. Poe Walt, so internet Twitter guys can run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, okay, well, we're not going to get too deep into... He lived in the society before we all did. <laughs> yeah, like I said, we're not going to get too deep into Poe himself. I mean, yes, he was internet... He was angry Twitter guy before such things existed, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the the sort of movement that he was... I guess maybe unintentionally involved in. He was just kind of smack dab in the middle of, because uh, Poe is often considered to be one of the masters placed directly in the center of the American Romanticist movement uh, of the early to mid 1800s. Uh, some of the writers and poets part of this movement were Washington Irving, who wrote uh, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and Rip Van Winkle, uh, Nathaniel, and Nathaniel Hawthorne, who wrote The Scarlet Letter. And uh, James uh, Fenimore Cooper, who most famously wrote The Last of the Mohicans. Uh, we already generally discussed romanticism in our perhaps overly long episode about Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, but American romanticism... What, you mean three hours is long? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sure as fuck is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, American romanticism has its own flavor, uh, tending to focus more on individualism and democracy and freedom. Uh, this, of course, is less the case with Poe, the master of weird, dark shit, uh, but still applies to the movement as a whole, which is worth discussing in the context of this episode. Big uh, brain here. Uh, well, I mean, there's very much a sort of a context for that, like, Amer like rom not just the American one, but just the Romanticism movement in general. Well, yeah. Because, like, after uh, you had, like, the... Because after, like, by this point, you've had, like, colonialism in full swing. Like, the right. the <laughs> primitive accumulation of capital that would go on to create the capitalist system, as it were. And so, like, everyone is suddenly squeezed out of, like, their small enclosures. You know, everyone is kind of, like, their own, like... As, like, these days, we think of ourselves, like, under neoliberalism, it's called. We think of it... We think of ourselves as, like, just, like, the individual corporation, where... Back then, it's like the, you know, uh, you are the, you know, individual, like, mercantilist. You are, you know, you are you. You are in this, like, system, and you are, um, 
not guaranteed any holding, so you're going to draw inward and become more introspective. And, you know, it's not exactly cope, as they'd say, but it's it's something, there is something to that. Um, just figuring out your place in that, you know, more um, individualized uh, machination, basically. Right. Yes. <clears throat> and, uh, and romanticism as a whole basically stems from a period in the 1760s, 1770s in Weimar. Uh, it's, it was called the Sturm und Drang movement. It was, uh, Goethe was a big part of that. And it's basically like what we call like proto-romanticism. Um, and it's, it's basically that, that emphasis on emotion. That's one, like when we said in, in Frankenstein, that's, that's the, it's big, uh, grand gestures in, in, in ornamentation of stories and ornamentation of music and all that sort of thing. That's that's kind of a large part of what it's very operatic, right. very baroque. Right. Focusing more on human feeling and experiences as opposed to societal morals and constructs. <laughs> you definitely sounded like you were reading that off of a Wikipedia page. I was not actually. That was I, that I, was my own word. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I know, but the way you said it. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, yeah, and, and it was you know it was. Well, poetry. It, it, it was <laughs> sort of like a direct reaction, we should probably say, from like the classic movement, which was like the, the movement that happened right before that. It was very about Stoicism and like ancient Greek and ancient Rome. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was all just very ordered stuff. And it's like, think of like Voltaire. Uh, like that's the, that's sort of like the, in, yeah. the Enlightenment. It's what Ayn Rand wanted to be. Uh, well, yeah, it's it, it's just one of those things where it's like they they were they had done that for so long because it was like stemmed from the Enlightenment period where you know it's it's like a big humanist movement that came from the Renaissance and and then it's just like they're yeah. trying to break out of that and then you know obviously a big part of that is is Rousseau Jean Jacques Rousseau mm -hmm. who is like he's you know probably one of the, the the biggest writers that influenced the French Revolution so like and the French Revolution was like one of those things that like exploded the the Romantic movement and. It's, you know, it's... Yeah, the French Revolution is weird in that sense, too, because you had guys like Rousseau, but then also you had that very classical thing with, like, you know, Rosevier wanted to basically, like, no, we should be ancient Rome again. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a weird place yeah, to The be. French Revolution is, is a very strange, strange setting. I like the bit where they cut off their heads. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah you know, like, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and we did talk a little bit about the French Revolution. Look, it's real dumb bitch hours. <laughs> I think we talked. No, no, I think... literally, I don't give a shit. Fuck them. <laughs> oh no, the monarchs. Oh no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> can, can we have French Revolution too? Electric boogaloo. But <laughs> I, I, I mean, if, if we want to go down that road, I mean, we're, we're getting there because familial inheritance Please. of power is still in a Minecraft. We'll do it in Minecraft, <laughs> yeah, Mister in... NSA man. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it in Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just so in case MI5 listen to this parody. <laughs> it's satire. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's one of those weird things because, uh, like I said, the the American Romanticist movement. It's not like it didn't stem from maybe the same exact things that that the European one did. It, it, because you know it, it kind of really started blooming in like eighteen 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 twenty somewhere in that period. So this is like. It obviously post French Revolution, so it influenced it in in some respect. I mean, systemically though, the same things are going to be, you know, it's just a more distilled version of that though, because 
you're still grappling with, well, you just had a revolution, you're you're under Federalist powers now, and you're still kind of in that same circumstance. So, you know, like, well, now- as we like to do, it just becomes more, you know, self-centralized. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's um, fair. American especially romanticism. Especially here, in a country with no social contract on its foundation. Yeah. like, And that's kind of what I was going to say, is American romanticism can might maybe be boiled down to, like, as opposed to the feelings of revolution having to cope with freedom or the idea of freedom, right. like, and then having to survive on your own merits, kind of like what Stephen was talking about before, and, like, the struggle of mm-hmm. that in itself. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. It's like, the, now, oh, I ha- now I have societal responsibilities that might not have been had before and that might not have been taken care of by, like, the crown or something. It's like, now I can just right. go broke and die. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> basically it just boils down to the American version is a lot more individualized. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, a, a more, more about autonomy, I, I suppose, but, uh, it, it you know, it's very Americanized and that could be a good or a bad thing depending on how you look at it, but... I'm going to go on a tangent now. Just a real small tangent since we are talking about romanticism. Okay. <laughs> Um, I, oh boy! I, well, no, it's not like a crazy tangent. This was just like the, a thing that I hyper focused on when I read this book. Yeah, and uh, or this story. Mm-hmm. I keep calling it a book, and I feel like that's a stretch. But I'm holding a physical book in my hand, so I apologize. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hyper focused on this one part. There was a book physically there. It was. <laughs> I hyper focused on this one part of reading this, where there is a line, and I'm gonna mispronounce one of these words Probably. and I, it's up to you to decide which one it is um <laughs> there was mu- <laughs> there was much glare and glitter and piquancy and phantasm much of what has been seen since in or what has much of what has since been since seen in hernani and that like really struck me because hernani's in quotes is a proper noun with a capital h and i'm like what the fuck is that so i started to do research and Mm. stuff and so hernani to the best of my knowledge and from what wikipedia and other sources have told me is that is it's the title of a play by victor hugo uh around man (laughs) it's roughly around the same time as yeah. Edgar, Poe wrote, Edgar Allan Poe wrote this, I yeah. believe, roughly around. So I, I a- will pause mm-hmm. to say that Victor Hugo, the one famous, like the most famous picture of him, he looks like angry capitalist Santa Claus. He looks like he's uh, going to tie a woman to a train track and run away. <laughs> 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 and that's how I feel whenever I have to read Les Mis. Boy. <laughs> I feel but like anyway. I'm being tied to his train track and I can't get up. <laughs> You can stop reading it anytime. <laughs> he was very much a decadent writer, yes. <laughs> so, anyway, so I looked You're at what Hernani was. that I ever actually start after I look at it. <laughs> Hernani was the title of a play that Victor Hugo wrote and produced in, sometimes, I don't have the exact dates in front of me or anything, but 1800-something. <laughs> and um, what he was trying yeah. to do at this point he was trying to make a play that was specifically, if not an affront, at least like an argument against classicism. Like that was his actual goal, was to make something in the romantic style. Right. Kind of just to be a troll is kind of what the implication <laughs> is from what I've read. Like there are paintings and stuff, and I'll go into it in a second. But anyway, the play is, it, it's kind of just your standard fare. It's about... It's about three dudes in love with one woman, one of which happens to be a king, one of which is a bandit, and then they're all 
uh, pursuing this woman, and things happen. I'm not going to go into like super super hard, hard detail. I'm just going to leave in the cool stuff. Uh, basically, he's they're all three going after this woman, and um, like they trade back and forth like battles and insults and all this type of stuff until finally. Um, he comes to this one guy, and it's one of the three that's in love with this woman, and he's asking for uh, protection from the king, and he says yes. And so then the king comes and lays into him and is like, you should stop trying to see this woman because that's my wife. And the guy that's harboring him is like, oh, shit. Like, in his inner monologue, he's like, oh, shit, that's the woman I love. Man, this guy sucks. But because he, like, said, under the rules of hospitality, I'm going to, like, protect you, he protects him from the king. He's like, you can't. disobey the rules of hospitality he's in my protection so the king leaves and then the king leaves and goes and promptly abducts the girl and then the guy that was harboring him is like okay we're gonna fight to the death now and Hernani the main character he's like no I have to go save this woman he's like no we we kill each other now this is what you made me do because you made me do this and he's like okay look here's here's what I'll do (laughs) I'm gonna go get her but I pledge my life to you I will give you this horn to blow at some time in the near future after I've saved her, and that's the moment I will die, okay, man? And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. That sounds fucking weird, but okay. So he goes off, he fights the king, he he wins the love of the girl, and Act 5, they're getting married, and all of a sudden the horn blows, he's like, oh, shit, time to die. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so he drinks poison, and the girl's like, oh, no, don't drink poison. I'd want to drink poison. And she drinks poison, they die in their arms, and then he shows up, and he's like, oh, shit, he, he actually killed himself, but then she killed him. Oh, I'm going to kill myself, too. And they all die. Normal romantic bullshit play. Like, it's it, it was like whatever. Very, very much of the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what I will say is, what I think he's referencing, and what Wikipedia said as far as this reference to Hernani in Mask of the Red Death, is that Hernani is used to evoke the opulence and decadency with which the ball is being conducted. Now, mm. the mm. play... To my knowledge, it didn't have much of the context of what the play was like in its production. But it must have been exceedingly opulent because it had, like, a king in it. So you know they must have had a lot of fanfare to it and a lot of, like, people and a lot of cast. Knowing what I know about Victor Hugo's writing, um, he was a he was very much a proponent of, like, a decadent style. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and- like, his books are very much tomes. I'd imagine his plays are... Much the same. That was the thing, because again, like, th- there's a reason, like, bouge decadence, quote unquote, is such right. like a term with linen and all them, because that was very much a a uh, you know prerequisite of the French Revolution. You know, it was just watching you know these like you know royal fops and businessmen in their literal ivory towers as you're all like starving and. Shitting in the street, basically. <laughs> yeah. so. See, whenever any so, of so even in... if it isn't Victor Hugo, it, it you, you do have the cultural like thumbprint of that you know uh, re- point of reference. So mm. yeah, that's essentially what he's getting at. And there. See, in addition y'all to keep that, seeing Hanani, <laughs> and I keep thinking of Punani, which is a British. <laughs> <laughs> It is also an American slang term. In Uh, addition to that, I was also going to say, one of the other reasons I think that that interpretation is correct, because apparently one of the other plays that Hugo was shopping around at this time was a play that apparently called for all the members of the French Parliament at the time to be on the stage 
or at least actors representing them. <laughs> so, like, that's just really mm. over the top. So it's just, like, so I know, so that must mean yes. what he's talking about by the opulence and everything like that of this play itself. It must have been a really grand affair. But the funny thing that I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna just like give you a little like a little bit of snippet of like interesting stuff that I learned. The thing that this play is remembered for is it's remembered for the being the inspiration for an Italian opera that has a similar story down the line. That apparently that opera was the biggest opera in Italy for like many many years. But what is more remembered um, for what is more remembered it, um... for it it's literally called Ernani. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's they what I thought. Yeah. I got an aria from that, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Fucking close you have. But the big thing it's remembered for is that apparently the debut of Hernani, the very first debut, was an absolute fuckfest because the classicists mm-hmm. went to it specifically to boo all the way through <laughs> it and to fuck up the performance. And allegedly, no one knows for sure, but Hugo apparently paid people to cheer for it. And apparently no one could hear the play going on. And eventually just fights broke out. And there's paintings of it and shit, and it's called the Battle of Hernani. Because it was just like, just descended into madness because two literary factions were mad at each other. That is well, awesome. That sounds great. Why does that sound like yeah. cum? All I have to say is thank you for story time, decadent hobo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, decadent uh, hobo. Wow, that's like one of those like stomp, clap, Mumford and Sons bands. <laughs> yeah, it, really, it, it is indie pop from the 2010s. Yes. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well. Uh, Let's get into interpretations, because the interpretations of Mask of the Red Death are frequent and numerous, and uh, we're also not literary critics or scholars. Uh, We just like weird and creepy shit. Uh, Is this short story about class consciousness or the inevitability of death? Perhaps it was meant to simply be a horrible tale for wicked amusement. Or perhaps it was a little more specific to Poe himself and his experience with his wife's sickness. It's probably none or all of these, as interpretations tend to be. Uh, But, you know, we just like talking about this stuff. Uh, So uh, we did get a little bit into it when we talked about imagery in the actual synopsis. Mm. But let's, let's talk about maybe interpretations we can glean from it. I read one who interpreted it as AIDS, and I couldn't stop laughing at that interpretation. Because <laughs> it's like, how the fuck did you get there? Yeah. Was it a serious interpretation? <laughs> yes. It was, it's like one of the many famous interpretations in like contemporary times. And yes, it was wow. a serious interpretation, which is why I couldn't stop laughing. They might have bent it to that. Uh, it might have been... Yeah, you can... That's the thing with Poe's stuff. Like, all of his writing is very lyrical. It's very, like... Not vague, but it's in that, like... He writes in very broad strokes like that. Like I said, he's not very didactic. It's not like... He's not the kind of guy who, like, gives you a bunch of, like, referential puzzle pieces and wants you to put them together. That's just not his thing. Again, you're talking about romantic mm. period. So it's like... Again, it's very, like, readily interpretable, like... I mean, it just, like, as if from what, like, we, we sort of... It just seemed like a reactionary interpretation mm. during 
the 90s, like, post... That seems like the 80s, though. No, do you not remember? It was, like, from a 96 album that the guy wrote it for. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Some Italian bloke wrote it for an album, like, like, made a song about it. Because, like, in the 80s, I could kind of see when people were talking about it as, like, a quote-unquote gay cancer of the blood. I could maybe, like... Okay, if you don't know what the fuck you're on about, then yeah, maybe, I guess. Yeah, but it was the fact it was like the mid-90s. It was just a strange... very weird. It was just a really strange interpretation, and it was like, okay, but why? From the the Italians as well. (laughs) Yeah, look, they're not real. (laughs) Italians aren't real. Yes, you are. It's just fascinating because, like, nothing... Oh, way way to be a classical Sicilian. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, the rainbow wasn't considered... How, how far back does the rainbow as the pride flag go? That doesn't go back to the 1800s, I can't imagine. I and then, so. like, AIDS itself was, was <laughs> no. a modern creation. So I'm just like, I'm just like, I don't understand how someone with a straight face could be like, this is about this. And it's like, but it couldn't have been. Like, I don't, like <laughs> I'm saying, I don't know how serious of an interpretation that would be. I think what they're, they're saying is that we can mold it to today. I guess. I, I yeah. think that's what they, they mean, as in, like, we can ta- take yeah. it and shape that's this only, that's as That's the a, only thing I can think. I mean, I'm, like I'm, a moral uh, of the uh, story. This, this yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it this as, dude as a... released a song about it. It was right. pretty weird. <laughs> I'm going to use it as an allegory for COVID, obviously. I mean, we're going to get, get into that <laughs> I mean, in a second. I mean, obviously, like that's what Edgar Allan Poe wrote it about. <laughs> see, 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 I was, um, when it comes to COVID, I don't see it as a very solid COVID allegory because, because the way the ruling class works now, we're at a position of capitalism where <laughs> no one is secure. No one feels safe. Even the ultra Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, like, you know, lizard elite or whatever, like, (laughs) they feel very precarious because the rate of profit and just the overall system is decaying and we all kind of feel it. Whereas with this, you have, like, Prospero and his lot and they're all holed up and, you know, they feel very confident and, like, like... Not blissfully unaware of the disease, obviously. Otherwise, they wouldn't be holed up in his little castle with, you know. But, um, <laughs> like, maybe maybe if Prospero was, like, some, like, small town, uh, like, local, like, conservative radio DJ who, like, <laughs> isn't in on the grift and, like, unlike Ted Cruz or whoever doesn't get the vaccine while saying it's bad and just, like, buys into the kayfabe and, like... <laughs> Then he just gets blasted by the Red Death, like when he least expects it, and uh, all of I his like, like equally fat and you know just I, I, just unhealthy <laughs> listeners are like, oh no, that couldn't be me, and then Red Death gets him too. I, I like that you weaved in kayfabe, which is a wrestling term, by the way. Uh, yes, yes. This is <laughs> this nothing to do with any of this. That's a. That's explain kayfabe to people who don't know what that is. By the way, Stephen, it's like a it's like a carny thing where like um you don't give up the goat, so to speak. Like if you're watching a movie, say you're watching I don't know uh the Avengers or whatever. Like Iron Man isn't well, maybe these days they would, but like <laughs> typically Iron Man in a non like Josh Whedon-y, irony poisoned world would be wouldn't turn to the camera and be like. Wow, this sure is dumb, isn't it? You know, like Thanos <laughs> is a CGI monster thing or whatever the fuck. 
basically, it wouldn't be an office moment. Yeah, you wouldn't have like an office like fourth breaking wall moment. Like you got to keep right, the exactly. grift or story up. So the the stay yeah. the stay in character is strong. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I yeah, see yeah. What you're saying so, like, right. so this is basically even after the match is over and like the reporter is saying like. Why did you do it like this? I mean, did the you're still, yeah, you're still like, no, like, no, this actually happened. Like, it was a, it was I'm going to get him tomorrow at WrestleMania. Okay. It was a much bigger thing in the 80s. It was a much bigger thing in the 80s when, like, or not even the 80s, but, like, the 40s and 50s, really, when they, like, Freddie Blassie and, I don't know, Buddy Rogers were like, nah, it's real, mate. Like, how the hell do we get onto wrestling? I don't know. Um, that's it. That's the plague in Red Death. No, 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 no. But the plague, the, thing. Red, wait, wait, the wait, plague wait. in Moth of the Red Death. In Mosque of the Here's Red the Death. There is a wrestler based on the Raven. Oh, yeah? Named Raven. His whole... Yeah, he, he, was in this pro, he was in this company called ECW. His name was the Raven. And he ended every promo by saying, quote the Raven, never more. And he'd complain about society like a... <laughs> true goth lad like he was very like he was just like a grunchy Edgar Allan Poe so like, what you're saying <laughs> it's like poetry right? so what you're saying is that Edgar Allan Poe did not die but actually became a professional wrestler I think Edgar Allan Poe founded wrestling <laughs> yeah he became a professor wrestler in the 90s named Raven and who was really into Nirvana and ministry t-shirts <laughs> He used so much opium because it was just a painkiller. This is like the Elvis is a dead conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, it's the Bubba Hotep. <laughs> this is the Bubba Hotep of Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, man. Uh, I, you, well, okay, so obviously this thing has been, like, analyzed 15,000 times over since it was released. Uh, um, it's it's mm. just, it's one of those things where it's like, you can really be in it. It, it, it goes back to that, that really ornamented like romanticist language where you can draw so many interpretations of it because simply there are so many words um to say one thing yeah. which is uh, you know it's like i don't know you you can pull a lot from that mm-hmm. <laughs> just like how you spent just 10 15 minutes talking about the one word about a play mm-hmm. made by victory hugo mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, people latch on to these I mean, that's the thing with Poe, too. Like, he often writes in, like, couplings, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's funny. It, it kind of reminds me of, like, it, it's almost very, like, reading a public speech in yeah. a way. Yeah. Like, it's it's uh, Homeric in that sense, because right. it's never just one word. It's, like, three. It's, like, the the dazzling, terrifying, absurd such-and-such, such, <laughs> right. or, you know, the the loquacious sprawling manner like it's never just one thing it gives you at least three to chew on motherfucker needs to like stop using so many words so dumb bitches can understand <laughs> he needs to stop using so much opium so he can stop thinking of so many words um he, he does have a lot of a ter- internal rhyme especially yeah. in the raven yeah um which means he was like the M&M of 1842. <laughs> I hope my eye roll was audible. <laughs> Just for those not watching in video. <laughs> Orange four-inch door hinge, you know. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, man. Red, red death, mom's spaghetti. <laughs> Glass pain, that's why they call it window pain. <laughs> in a, in Eminem Allen Poe. Um, 
There it is. <laughs> this this old this thread hurt me. I guess this is my comeuppance. This is my comeuppance for my this tangent. Is, this is for everything that you are. This is, <laughs> this, is this is personality revenge. <laughs> I am I am meeting your dialysis. Yeah. <laughs> I am meeting your aura with an angrier, more annoying aura. Uh <laughs> is what I'm doing. Um When it comes to interpretations of the story, I don't think I think we we'll get to um kind of a point where it's just like I think it's just a fun story, but mostly I think you can I think criticism of the ruling class being oblivious to the outside terrors of the world is one and then biting them in the ass i mean that's a big one yeah and then fear of death that's like so heavily painted on it it's yeah, just like it's, it's... It, it like hits you like a brick to the head and you're just like yeah i get it the black room is death everyone dies in the black room it is sort of it <laughs> is sort of, fatalism yeah <laughs> that, that is sort of the that feel when too intelligent uh, sort of like in your face. Are you getting it yet? Yeah. Are you getting that it's about death? But it's fun. It doesn't have to be. I don't. And it, it almost feels like it wasn't. A, it wasn't written to convey like that missing message. I mean, it's just like, hey, this is just like a story about like a plague that happened. Yeah. The only cool thing that I think he did, or not the only cool thing, but the cool thing that I think he did symbolically in the whole thing, and that I kind of thought that like kind of related to modern times was the thing that where whenever the clock chimed everyone felt really nervous and weird yeah. and that wasn't really explained why they feel nervous and weird but it's just it's just because i don't know if the clock sounds funny i don't know if it's a cuckoo clock and it just uh, reverberates I weird i would say i would personally say the clock is like a if we're going with the it's death interpretation this is the cycle of life it, it, uh, the clock is intrusive thoughts about how death is real right yeah no <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's where yeah. i was going to go with it too is it, yeah, yeah it means like you know we're we're seconds closer to death. We're 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 t the time is ticking. We're closer to death. But what I also thought, just from a, a contextual standpoint of the story itself, of being in the midst of plague, is that like they're in their own little habitat now, right. separated from what they feel is the plague on the outside. The only thing that's really connecting them to the things going on outside is actually time. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like, True. and that yeah, was one no, thing I was I think gonna. That's correct. I was going to tie that back to COVID and that, like, a lot of people went through lockdown. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah, that, like, yeah, yeah. It, we went through, like, a, a virus and people were, like, sitting there. The only thing that really people had to, like, know that, like, things was going on was time. And time you look passed. at the clock and it's like, oh, also God, it's the green August. Room watching Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say if you want to tie it back to COVID, it is sort of like the early stages of COVID. Yeah. Where, where like, the the elite did, they were, like, felt safe in their mm -hmm. homes because, you know, they're, like, they have all of this shit. And then they, they're not threatened at all because they have all this money. <laughs> and then, like, it's like, okay, this is real now. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. when... Uh, kind of like later stages, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I wasn't intentionally trying to draw back to COVID in right. this instance. I was, I was just, I like I said, I just thought the time element was kind of cool. Yeah, but my favorite bit of symbolism in the book is when um uh Prospero gets two of like his royal guards to like drive him outside in like the uh black carriage and gives like a little thumbs up to the crowd and they all like <laughs> cheer for him and then he's like off Twitter auspiciously for, like, a few months. <laughs> there's, um, there's some historical context to what Prospero does as well by locking, like, all his, all his mates up. Oh? Yeah, Prince Charles II did it when the plague broke out in um, 1665 in oh. London. Oh. Huh. 
Prince oh, Charles yeah. and his mates fucked off to the country, mm. had a bunch of orgies and parties, and then realised the plague was coming for them there because oh. the plague was breaking out all over the UK at that point. And then we're like, yeah, well, fuck it. We'll go back to London. Fuck it. Uh, Did they survive? Also, also another interesting <laughs> historical example is when the Black Plague first happened in the 14th century, the Pope at the time actually locked himself up and isolated himself and was... It wasn't quite as like having decadent Here parties. Is Jesus wax. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Locking yourself up in the Vatican is not having a decadent party, but you are surrounded by decadence at all times. Yeah. You are, surra- you are surrounded by the wealth of centuries and centuries I, of stolen kind cultures. Kind of the popes at that time, though, were having too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the popes at the time were all fucking, like... Like, I think, what, Pope Alexander the Sixth had, like, a wife and kids when yes. he wasn't supposed to? Yeah, yeah this is, like, the, the the 14th century is, like, obviously, that's the period, like, a, there's a couple centuries before the Reformation happens, because, and, and, and which... All the popes, like, had sex, did drugs. Right. <laughs> the fun popes. Right. Like, the fun, like that one pope that dug up the dead pope and then made him not pope after he died. <laughs> <laughs> I will continually bring up the fight between Pope for Pope Formosus and Pope Stephen, either the seventh or the ninth. No one actually remembers. Hey, it's on brand for the podcast. <laughs> it is. I, man, if we corpse Pope. <laughs> Honestly, if the worst thing that we brought up continuously was Pope feuds. I, I think we'd be fine. <laughs> I have a suggestion for another episode. It's just it's just all the horrible things that Catholicism has done. Can we do one of those? <laughs> Can we just do a whole a four? Uh, do we do we have that much time? Yeah, let's do a four hour long episode about all the horrific things the Catholic time Church in the has world done. Please. To talk about how the Catholics molested. Yeah, we, <laughs> we don't have that much time. It would be like an eighteen part series. It That's was... fine. Uh, I'm down. <laughs> we just be behind the bastards, but like behind the. You know. make a, we'd have to make a whole new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so, like, I know it's a pretty short story, but, you know, just like we do with everything, do we have, like, favorite bits, favorite parts? I think my favorite thing is, is just the imagery of seeing all these people packed into all these rooms. And so you know they're, like, shoulder to shoulder, and you don't even have enough room to, like, you know, chew your chicken wings without someone, like, running into you. <laughs> But there's this whole room. You could go to the end of the hall, and you could sit there, and it's like, I got this place to myself. And you could, like, light up. You could, like, have a drink. You could spread out. You know what I mean? I'd take a piss in there. Yeah, but no one else <laughs> wanted to do it. No, Everyone else was like, no, I'm going to avoid that. I'm going to avoid that room. <laughs> they go in that room to piss and piss only. That's <laughs> why so it has to be so dark. Because there's these people in the... Like against the walls. Pissing. See, that's why they didn't have a yellow room to discourage pissing. <laughs> the yellow room smells bad. Why is that, Prince Prospero? <laughs> and don't talk about the brown room. <laughs> uh, uh, Chrissy, do you have like a favorite part or a favorite bit or a favorite kind of aspect? Um. I just love the I love the end where you know where Prospero fucking gets his comeuppance is like oh who the fuck are you and he's like haha you're dead now because he's still being like very hubrizial even toward to the end yeah he's just being a dick so it's like yeah fuck it you deserve it fam it's like when someone it's like 
like Prospero would be like a pundit on Twitter who gets yelled yeah. at by people he's, he's not Graham familiar Linehan. with. Yeah. It's Prospero is Graham Linehan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Death is getting banned off Twitter. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 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 it's just hate <laughs> Okay, I need to Photoshop that now. First is tragedy, then is farce. I need to Photoshop that now. Graham Linehan on Vincent. Oh, no, that's offensive to Vincent Price. Vincent Price doesn't deserve that. He doesn't. He does not at all. Uh, Stephen, what do you think? Um, I don't know. Like, again, it's just such a short story that I had a difficult time being like, I like this bit in particular. But um, for me with Poe, it's like always kind of just like, when you read Poe, it's like, oh, this is what, like, every, like, modern goth, like, asset or vibe or just everything that came after. That's what it all came from. Right, Like, yeah. I'm having a bit of a weird goth phase at the moment listening to, like, Malice Miser and Sisters of Mercy and shit like that. Because we're in a very kind of gothic time period at the moment just yeah. with, like, just the, with the decline of, you know, our, you know... With the decline of America as a hegemon and, like, you know, just, just the capital system kind of reaching its, you know, like, declining period, which will be interminably long. So it's kind of interesting just, like, revisit Poe, which I might do a bit more of thanks to this podcast. Because it's very much the... We're helpful. Yeah, yeah. It's very much like the, you know, codification of that modern, you know, gothic... Uh, just you know asked that although i think like poe actually kind of started in with um because there was like some gothic story he took like blatant inspiration from i don't remember what it was but it was like oh it's set in a castle i like that i'm gonna nick that from whatever that story was which i feel bad that i can't recall the yeah, no it's, it's okay <laughs> we that's he did what everyone does everything comes from something yeah everything comes from something nothing is created in a vacuum uh but uh, I I like Big Clock. Can you not lie? Big Clock. <laughs> I do like Big, big, big Bong. <laughs> uh, I I like I like. <laughs> I I like Big Big Bing Bong. Big Big, big Dong. Big <laughs> Dong. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say that. That reminds me. I was gonna say. Um, when it comes to, like, because I touched on it earlier with, like, a lot of the interpretations trying to kind of, like, church up the, like, some, like, extrapolate some, like, new meaning from, like, the colored rooms um, in that, like, oh, the curtains were blue kind of way. Because, um, like, I feel like that's what that ties in because it's, like, they see the clock and they're, like, oh, well, all of this must be about time. And it's <laughs> really not um, – it's a little bit more disjointed, but that's kind of the point, I feel, yeah. especially from the text. Like, reading a lot of the essays about this story reminds me of this, like, Red Letter Media bit they did where they go into, like, the Star Wars Expanded Universe and they just, like, read Darth Vader's wiki. And it's just, (laughs) like, people taking the, like, tortured villain or tragic villain archetype and just, like, doubling down on it for more content. So by the end of it, you have, like... I'm Darth Vader, and I eat Vita Pace, and if you touch this button on my chest, I'll die. Like, it's <laughs> and just... he was he was rebuilt in the Emperor Palpatine Surgical Reconstruction Center. Yeah, it just becomes like this like <laughs> mess of just like in a, a just a really like 
farceful interpretation of things. And, right, it's just <laughs> overblown at yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, when, so when you try and do that with something like, you know, Master of Death, it's like, well, you are kind of working with, like, a, a shallow well. And I don't mean that yeah. in a bad way. Yeah. It's just, again, it's very lyrical. It's a short story. It right. doesn't waste your time. So people are going to really kind of dig into that. And I think that's one of the things that makes Poe so um, enduring and, like, fairly culturally omnipresent still like even yeah. aside from the that fuel into intelligent goth vibes it's just because his writing has that quality to it and i will say not a lot of his writing if you want to go and dig into it a lot of it's not very good he's one of those guys <laughs> where he has like yeah. 10 or so really just banger stories and the rest just like here's the thing what about my pants and it's like i don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah he, he... I, I will say <laughs> I will say Mask of the Red Death is uh, very uh, entertaining and commercially viable. Like, I could see, like, a, a, a movie company looking at it and being like, I mean, you slap uh, two, may, no, maybe 20 to 30 minutes of exposition on it and then give, like, some <laughs> unnecessary love interests. And then that's when we go to quarantine. And then you have the building of the ball, more love interest bullshit, and then raised to the climax of the ball itself, you have a pretty decent film. It's Titanic. Yeah. At that point. Yeah, it's just Titanic at yeah. that point. Yeah. I didn't say four hours. I said, like, hour Stop and a half, maybe two. From it for fucking Phantom of the Opera, for fuck's sake. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Well, there's Gaston just like, ha-ha. I still this because he does have that scene where he comes in. Yeah, the the fountain comes down as red death. Yeah, and he's got like the red robe on and everything. Yeah. Um, well, uh, all we can really say, I guess, definitively in conclusion, is read it. Uh, it only takes about twenty to thirty minutes to read and is re readily available for free. You can find this thing fucking everywhere on the internet. I bought it because I wanted a book to read. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and you can get collected works of Poe all over the place. Uh, the these few paragraphs are highly enjoyable in the special way that a lot of Poe's works always are. So I, 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 you know, there's like like Stephen said, there's a there's a lot of there's a good chunk solid core of like bangers that poe has that that it's good to like reread and just feel like yeah i do hate everybody <laughs> uh <laughs> um, <laughs> um but I, I i think this is it, it's it's a short story and it is one of those just there's not a whole lot to it but it is it's a lot of meat it's a good it's a good bite and it's like a good punk song yes true it yeah. is a great punk song. That is a good way to put it, yes. Good Misfits album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more interpretation to be had with Misfits over time. Like, <laughs> if we do an episode on Misfits, that'll be a fucking fuckfest. That'll just be a train wreck. We did that. Yeah, you did the horror punk episode. We did, but we didn't do Misfits specifically. We didn't talk about them in. in... We, yeah, we we did talk about Misfits, but we didn't we didn't focus on them. exactly. Uh, we we did a yeah we did a lot of different stuff. So why we can't do a specific Misfits episode? I know that's what I'm saying. That that yes that that's the same sentiment that I have. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, I think that's all we got for this week. Getting on the Misfits again. <laughs> uh, thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. We're gonna start doing this again regularly. 
we've we've been trying to just try and figure out schedules and stuff, and I think we've finally figured out like where everything locks in together. Uh, so so let's uh, you know we, we got the social media, we got uh, at PC the Dead on Twitter. I just created a new Twitter. I'm at Zippy Pippy Pop. All one word, uh, uh, and, and, and that's zippy with <laughs> zippy with a Y at the end, pippy with a Y at the end, pop as all one thing. Uh, and uh, we got an Instagram that we never update. We got a Facebook page, it, and then we have a Patreon. We have Patreon at PC the Dead. If you want to contribute, that'd be great. If you don't, then don't. <laughs> uh, Remember, we have that sixty nine dollar tier when someone picks yeah. your phone. If you'd like to donate to get me back home to America, please. We're actually probably should change that, that might Patreon actually tier, be yes. like a legitimate Kickstarter. We're going to change the Patreon tier, <laughs> tier of you getting to choose what I watch for porn to uh, getting Steven back home to god awful Houston. Um, so, <laughs> also Chrissy's private Chrissy's private phone number is one. Uh, we're good. We're good. Okay. <laughs> cut it. Cut it. Uh, <laughs> we love you all. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.